0: Welcome to episode 2 of Caravan Conversations. On this episode, I hang out in the Byron Shire with a man who is intent on changing lives through movement, Mr. Keegan Smith. After years of a myriad of failed business direction, Keegan has combined his passion for movement with real life experience to assemble a worldwide army of movement practitioners under a banner known as the Real Movement Project. This podcast displays the clear vision of a man who demands more for himself and every single person that he works with. As the Real Movement Project continues to capture people from around the world, this is your chance to hear from the man behind the brand and gain clarity around the true purpose of movement and its closely aligned principles, which in Keegan's words, help you to be better every day. If this podcast resonates with you or is a topic that you feel family or friends may enjoy, please share the link with them. Your support of PSC ensures continued access to guests of this calibre and keeps me on the road to continually bring you guys the goods. Your support is greatly appreciated. Get comfortable, people. This episode is about oh to earth, begin. What changes hast thou seen? There where the long street roars hath been the stillness of the central sea. The hills are shadows, and they flow from form to form, and nothing stands like clouds. They shape themselves and go. You are listening to Caravan Conversations with Shannon Brenton caravan conversations is proudly produced by pse supplements and explores general health nutrition and lifestyle with one of australia's most experienced clinicians now let's get into the show Welcome to Caravan Conversations. I'm Shannon Brenton from PSC. Super pleased to be uh, here today talking with you all and giving you a, a unique perspective on um, on a topic which affects all of us, and that's the topic of movement. So whether movement's something that uh, we feel is a big part of our life or something that we'd like to make part of our life, uh, movement is something that's a collective that, at some phase in our life, we have. At some f- phase in our life, sometimes we don't. But, uh, you know, it's our job without any reference to look after and maintain it. But I'm out here today in Mullumbimby, out in the uh, hinterlands of Byron Bay, and I'm with uh, a man called Keegan Smith, uh, who some of you may know and some of you may not, but you will in the next half an hour or so. Keegan was the, um, the head strength and performance coach at the Sydney Roosters, the NRL team, for those of you that don't live in uh, places with NRL. And um, Keegan was the... Uh, the head performance coach there in 2013 and 2014 and was capable of getting the, uh, the guys there some extremely good results, including a minor premiership and a, a grand final win and the like. But what has attracted me to Keegan is not so much his ability to perform, um, you know, big tricks for, you know, key players and, and people in the performance world. It's more the way Keegan views movement and the the mindset around movement, um, that I'd like to discuss so uh, let's uh, rip straight into it and welcome Keegan Smith from Real Movement Project.
1: Thanks Shannon, thanks for coming out, really uh, it's great to have people out here, we've got a little bit of training done out in the the garage there and hopefully we'll get some trampoline after we've done this, it's always always great to have people visiting and uh, bring in something different to the to the gym. Uh, just a little correction. There, I wasn't head of performance at the Roosters. I was head of strength and power strength and nutrition. And power. So yeah, I yeah. did. Um, I didn't have that overseeing role of sort of looking after all the sports science and numbers and stuff. But uh, just you just uh, did the fun stuff. I did the fun stuff. I did the stuff I was I was passionate about and stuff I wanted to do, which was yeah, it was it was good while I was while I was there.
0: Yeah, cool. Yeah. So um, what I'd like to do, if you don't mind, just a bit of background for our listeners. Um, you know, the more I've explored you and, and you and I have um, athletes in common that we know and, and that we do work with and whatnot. And, you know, it's funny that, um, you know, generally, uh, I'll admit it, there's preconceived ideas around strength and conditioning coaches and, and the way they work. And obviously their intention to get, you know, um, better power output and, you know, obviously at the end of the day better gains for your athletes but the thing about you um, that interests me is that you seem to use movement uh, almost as your um, motivator for uh, a whole bunch of humanitarian work that um, you know any look into your history will show is a big part of who you are so um, just let us know basically uh, before you became a uh, a performance coach um, who you were what you were doing and what led you to this point.
1: Yeah so I always loved sport and, and I sort of fell into studying exercise science without really knowing why, thinking I'd probably end up working in hospitals or doing physio or being a PE teacher or who knows what. Um, but towards the end of the degree, I realized that you know I didn't know anything about life or the world and um, so I, I turned my back on that and um, became a professional backpacker basically. I'd done bits and pieces of work in strength and conditioning at that stage, but then I, I spent six years sort of traveling the world. Um, I spent... Yeah, sort of three years in, in Europe and um, yeah, I spent a good bit of time as well uh, in Latin America and that I guess gave me a different perspective on strength and conditioning and I always sort of knew that I wanted strength and conditioning uh, and Physical development to be a tool for for a bigger picture, which is you know valuing the self and um, I guess the role of the individual in in a healthy society and a healthy planet is it starts with a level of self respect and self care mm. um, so that 's really what uh, real movement 's about, and I think that really was the basis for any success that I had uh, during my time working full time in the NRL and with, with other athletes that i 've worked with is sort of helping them to see it 's a part of a bigger picture and uh, it's, it's quite a common thread that you'll see with a lot of athletes that overachieve is that they, they see things in a different light to the athletes that almost make it that almost, you know, get to the highest level or, you know, nearly win that big event. Uh, so that's, I guess what I, what I pride myself on and what I really enjoy is sort of showing people another significance to, to a handstand or to a mobility or to a heavy lift or a big jump, you know, mm. that it fits into a context of self-development that, um, can have a much bigger role to play in the world.
0: Now, as you uh, were leading to only moments ago, um, you and I just finished a training session out in your, uh, we'll call it a garage, but it's it's certainly more than that. And um, I was expecting to get out there and, you know, throw some weight around and, and do the stuff I've always loved to do. Uh, yet you uh, made a fool of me with, uh, <laughs> with body weight movements instead and, and obviously showed my uh, my lack of mobility. If you came on a Tuesday,
1: you would have hammered me. It's bent arm strength. We would have been bench pressing and doing oh, weighted chins and you would have taken gone to town. But, I'll see uh, you next Tuesday. Then. Yeah, the, the straight arm strength is a whole different world for those who've been in bodybuilding or you know traditional strength and conditioning, it's mm. it's a bit of a game changer. Yeah, I'm glad you uh, got to experience a little bit of it, and I think there was a, a twinge of uh, of excitement there of something new, something sparked that you that you mm. you might go on with, which is uh, that's what I'm trying to do. Like if that's what, something that comes out of today, you know, that's a that's a win for me.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. And that was the part about our conversation while we're training that enthused me was uh, you, you made mention that. Um, you find that um, people, and certainly high-end athletes, we were talking about some of the CrossFitters at the time, um, tend to always overreach and always look for, I guess, weaknesses in their training protocol. But through those weaknesses come significant strengths that the average person doesn't necessarily tend to um, see or aim for because they're busy just dealing with the you know, the basic lifts and basic movement patterns. But um, you may have mentioned to me, Keegan, that um, you find that when people are... Um, overreaching for that that next thing that may not be comfortable so what you just put me through wasn't comfortable right and my my beetroot red head showed that but um, when people are doing things that make them uncomfortable it tends to change who they are as a person and the way they see the world so tell me what your findings have been from that either with you know athletes or just with the average punter
1: yeah, I think you know. There's all this talk about stress now in the 21st century. You know, there's, there's everyone's under so much stress that health's breaking down, and you know, relationships are breaking down, and divorce and suicide, and all these statistics showing that people aren't mentally dealing with the challenge of life in front of them. And I think that by giving a bigger physical challenge to people, that some of those stresses can take a little bit of a step back and be a little bit less significant. You know, if you've just done a maximum hold, handstand hold for as long as you can against the wall, then the things around you straight after that are, are less significant or even better, you know, a one-minute assault bike effort. Mm. You know, you don't care about little things that are going on in your environment after mm. you've done that because you're in a world of pain, I guess, but it's it's something that recalibrates what stress is. Um, and I think that bringing more physical stress into a lot of people's lives actually helps to to get rid of that and desensitize to, to other forms of stress. Um, but when we talk about those elite athletes, yeah, um, yeah, they do get... They get very good at what they've practiced to do, but it is good. You always want to have work in in the three zones, you know, things that you're okay at, things that you're very good at, things that you're terrible at. If you're not spending any time in that zone of, you know, where you're terrible, um, you're really not getting that, like, fast development. You you know, Josh Kaufman's book and his, his theory about 20 hours, you know, you can check out the TED Talk, He's proven that you know, within 20 hours of training anything, you can become pretty good at it. Now, people don't want to take on the challenge of a new thing, juggling or doing a back somersault, or doing a handstand, because they know that they've seen the guy, the Chinese guy, up on 20 chairs, you know, doing a one-arm handstand or whatever, and they're like, well, I'm never going to be that guy who's done 10,000 hours of this, according you know, like Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, people who are in skill development read that, that research of Ericsson and think, yeah, well, 10,000 hours is what it takes to be very elite at this. Yeah. Um, that's almost it, a deterrent right for the average Exactly. Cat. But it, but it, but you got, you know, 20 20 hours to be actually pretty good you know at playing guitar at playing the djembe you know at whatever it is so i believe that when we've got that stuff in that beginner area and we can see it rapidly improving it just goes well shit like if i want to be really good at anything in life if i want to start a business or if i want my relationship to to function a lot better you know maybe i just need to put 20 hours of research and effort into it and i'll be, go from being horrendous having no idea how to do this to being competent better than 99% of society in in that thing um, yeah. so i still want to my elite athletes that i worked with to go through that you know to do things well oh, this feels really uncomfortable and, and straight away some of them will ridicule it some of them will love it um but you, you bring out something in people you know you bring out that psychological challenge and they remember that day and you know like the more days that you have something you do something that you remember yeah. you know the, the better so you know i'm you know, i'm all about people doing their first backflip when they come and spend time with me um juggling clubs for the first time four ball juggling juggling with a partner. Um, you know there's things that are kind of easy wins then there's handstands that are going to be a grind it's going to take you a while before you can you nail a handstand but time's going to pass so what are you going to have to show for that time and you know I like to I like to see people accumulating things that they're really confident and capable in physically and I think that does carry over to you know to other areas of life you know the Greek philosophers and the Romans and that they you know they operated on this this concept of develop yourself physically and, and mentally you know that that's what I that's what I'm passionate about and I think it's it 's something that 's missing in twenty first century so that's the that 's the mission that i 'm on
0: and let 's be honest about it. if people were capable which they of course are, but if people were willing to strategize a twenty hour protocol in order to focus on something that makes them slightly uncomfortable for that you know um, key goal of being better, you know feeling better, feeling a progression. Um, essentially, you're looking at three weeks, right? Yeah, Our, yeah. Hour a day type thing, twenty days. Exactly. You know? Yeah, yeah. You know, or half an hour a day. Half an hour. Know, ad- Forty days, yeah, whatever.
1: Yeah, it's it- and it's like, well, can I really budget that? If I really, you know, do I want to add something to my life? You know this yeah that that idea of like oh, i can't do this you know i'm not a good singer or i'm not a good i can't play guitar or i can't you know whatever it is that you can't that's Mm -hmm. the thing that i want to see you get over the hump with and go yeah actually i can then you can make the decision am i going to put 10,000 hours in this and be world class at it that's that's a separate decision but the the limited the way that that elitist kind of culture of don't even bother trying unless you're going to be world class at this like Mm -hmm. i don't you know, everyone's looking at these people doing amazing things, you know, for YouTube and whatnot now means you can see the world's best in anything, any time. And, and that's great. But what I'm more excited about is you, Shannon, like you going from where you are right now to getting a first five second handstand excites me much more than seeing uh, some guy who's spent 20,000 hours on his hands in yep. the middle of Cirque du Soleil. Yep. You know, people go and watch Cirque du Soleil, but I can guarantee you, being in Cirque du Soleil or just getting your first five second handstand is much more exciting than actually watching that stuff. You know, it's great to see people doing stuff, but use it as a springboard for your own experience. The joy is in experiencing it, right? Like people, if you look at what people regret, they regret not having experiences. They love, you know, they're they're proud of the experiences, the things that they've done, you know, climbing mountains and whatever. No one regrets, you know, not buying more stuff, you know, at the the end of the day, you know, so accumulate experiences. And that's what we do with the physical stuff. It's very, you know, it's very visceral. It does leave an imprint on the mind and, Um, that's what I, you know, I love seeing people go, well, yeah, this is, this is something that used to scare the crap out of me and now I can do it. You know, I can do a back somersault on a a trampoline or on the ground or or whatever.
0: So tell me about things for you. Let's just use you for instance. Uh, What, what things have scared the crap out of you in your life that you've overcome?
1: Yeah, I guess they're probably the ones that I'm, I'm sharing most with other people because, you know, that's, I guess, uh. Yeah, it's, it's where we build our skills. So, you know, juggling, I tried to learn when I was eight. I tried to learn again when I was about 18. I was trying to play hockey for Australia. That was my dream, go to the Olympics. Mm. Um, Australia, you know, wins some golds in, in hockey in the Olympics. So, you know, that was kind of what I was hoping that I would do. Um, and some of the top hockey guys that I was w- with there were able to juggle. And I thought, well, yeah, maybe, you know, I, sh- I-, I want to learn to juggle. I'd always sort of been interested in it. But I-, I tried and I just couldn't. And I thought maybe that's the difference between me and them. You know, maybe that's why they're playing in the Australian junior teams and, you know, I'm struggling to make state teams and whatever. So it's one of these things that I'd carried around as a mental limitation. Um, another one, I-, I wasn't good at languages at school. Everyone says you have to learn languages when you were young. Um, otherwise, you can't learn them. I think, like, I think some of these paradigms have shifted a bit. But when we were growing up, you know, I wasn't fast, I couldn't juggle, I couldn't learn languages, and I couldn't, you know, didn't have any spatial awareness for back somersaults, those sorts of things. Mm. So I learned to juggle working in a bar in Guatemala um, before I could be part of an orphanage yeah. that I wanted to spend some time in. Yeah, yeah it was um, you know, on an adventure there, hiding out the back of the you know, drunk Guatemalans and foreigners. Um, I taught myself to juggle with lemons, trial and error. It was a slow process. Um, but once you have it, you know, you've got it for life. And I love giving people a thing, well, you, you know, now you've got that for life. You're going to take it with you for, forever. You know, I love giving people body composition changes, but even better is a, is a skill of saying that'll i stick with them regardless of if they fall off the wagon for, for a month or, or six weeks. Um, the back somersaults, you know, it's something that's always scared the, scared the hell out of me, um. Getting that you know is is something that yeah you know now i 'm comfortable doing them on on trampoline and whatnot i 've had some issues with my ankle and whatever that i don't uh, i haven 't done them on the ground, but you know i 'm comfortable with that spatial awareness stuff, and that was a, a huge step um, learning another language and you know, I grew up we you know I went to school for how many years you know I started at three I finished at twenty, yep. you know, and I only spoke one language. You go to Europe and there's a lot of people there that speak three languages by default, then they pick up another couple. I'm like, man, this is ignorant. Like, why are we so, why are we ignorant of learning? Like, if, if this is a global community now, like, surely being able to communicate to other people is a valuable thing, right? Mm. So, you know, spending time living in London, I was like meeting people from all over the world. I went like, okay, I'm going to have to learn another language here. So, I started to learn Spanish. Just started teaching myself, and then you know that led to, to spending three years in Latin America. So, I became fluent in Spanish there, and then I moved to France not long after that, and became fluent in French as well. And um, I speak some German and Polish because my wife is German Polish. Um, and it's a, it's a buzz, like it's a huge buzz to, to take on a new skill and to, to get it. Like when you first juggle, when you first nail a handstand, like there's something that rushes through your body that says, you know, I'm unlimited, that I'm, I'm doing stuff that I didn't used to be able to do. Yes. Like, that's the joy of life for me. Like, you know, we should be experiencing that over and over consistently. You know, I, I believe that, you know, that's something that most of us don't after about three years old maybe six years old you know you you learn to ride a bike and that was probably the last new skill a lot of people actually learned you know there there's a buzz in, in learning new stuff and you know, that's, uh, that's the culture that we have with, yeah. with Real Movement of taking on challenges, going through that really uncomfortable thing. Everyone feels like an idiot at some stage. You know, you get the word backwards. You say butt instead of line and you say, you know, <laughs> look, at that big, look at that big line over there and the girl next to you, you know, looks at you like you're, you're uh, not a good guy and it's like you've just said, oh, look at that big ass over there. Yeah, <laughs> you, know? yeah, yeah. This, you have to go through this stuff if you want to learn languages, but at the end of the day, you know, it's... Uh, it's the richness of life, and something that I that I value deeply. So, there's some of the the challenges that I've taken on, and you know, I love seeing other people you know go through that journey and come out the other side as as a different person, different experience of life.
0: And you say though too, when you, when you're looking at it, um, getting back to the attainment of a new skill, you can take people who um, may not move well comfortably um, with pain. Let's say. And you have found yourself, though, that through the attainment of new skill with movement, that that most definitely correlates into, I guess, a different way of viewing the world, viewing the self, moving forward in this world and tackling things like languages, music. uh, It it opens the mind up for new skill sets, new challenges.
1: Yeah. So music is just like fine motor skill versus gross motor skill. A lot of elite yep. athletes will actually just pick the guitar up and bang out a song or something, like especially the Polynesian guys and that. Mm. And I, I believe that by improving the fine motor skills, like playing guitar, playing, you know, playing djembe, you will actually improve them on the field. Like there's, there's this whole other world of mental development and brain development that we don't really tap into, this general thing that was known through all ancient cultures, right? Like if you rewind 500 years ago and you're not in Europe... If you're not coordinated fit and healthy you're going to get your ass kicked you know yeah. whether it's by another tribe whether it's by a lion whatever it is so what what do they have in those cultures well they played music they danced um, they built you know they built skills and coordination as part of their culture because they knew that if we do this, we might not get our ass kicked when it comes time to it. You know, we're going to keep being able to to fight and hunt and and survive. It's like a survival, exactly right. Ex- exactly. So, but now because we're like, oh, he's an elite rugby league player, like we couldn't possibly have him dance or we couldn't possibly have him juggle or we couldn't possibly, you know, make sure that they can all bang out a rhythm on a djembe. Mm. You know, a, a lot of the guys actually do have it there. You know, they, they've they've built it in spite of, you know, the systems that they've come through. But if you go into an elite Sporting system at ten years old or twelve years old, and it's just so streamlined that you actually debil- debilitate the guys, and you know you, you actually teach them that they're really limited, and they become kind of scared of doing stuff that's outside of their their rabbit hole because they're not they're not used to that challenge. Um, mm. You know, Ajax has recently put in like this whole big you know basketball area and other stuff like the I saw on Facebook. You know, uh, then their new facility, and it's like they're definitely going down this path. Of course, you're going to need a lot of specifics. You know. Kobe Bryant and, and Curry and these guys, like they've shot more baskets than any other human. You have to do the, phys- the, the very specific side, but then that, that other end of the spectrum of uh, general stuff that doesn't necessarily tie you out, um, it's it's also important for elite and it's, and it's part of successful systems that when your system was actually, whether you survived or not, that was part of the systems. Like that's a good test. And that's, you know, if we talk about food, you know, like looking at if when cultures were eating to survive and to be able to pass on their genes. You know, what did they eat? How did they go about their business? Um, you know, that, that's a good sort of bullshit detector to yeah. apply to, to nutritional systems, but we can also apply to, to movement systems. What did we sleep on? How much did we have to walk each day? How much time do we spend inside? Yeah. You know, this sort of stuff uh, I think is, it, it's, it goes under the radar. Like sports science just doesn't consider this stuff, but it's, it's big. It's like more than 80% of your day is not training, right? It's all the other stuff that you're doing in between. Like, How well can you do that stuff? Yep. Um, we're probably drifting a little bit here, but no, is, not at all,
0: mate. This is the, the whole um, point of the podcast. But it was funny. You, you uh, there was two things that stuck in my mind from this morning. First one was we got in there and um, we were going to start warming up for our training, and um, you threw me a basketball, and you know had me look like a dead shit for three or four minutes dribbling a basketball, of which was completely unfamiliar to me. So, and then you spoke to me of something that I've never heard a strength conditioning coach speak of before, which was neuroplasticity and talking about you know the Um, you know the reasoning behind the basketball why you'd bring the basketball in as part of a a warm-up regime so just tell our audience a little bit about that and you know your your thoughts around it
1: yeah I mean there's there's so much more that we can develop in people in going to the gym right now like it's become this thing that's just about body composition you know and there is a very small percentage of society that want to be on stage brown g-string you know fully dialed in and get that stuff done. I respect that. It's not something that I'm interested in doing and it's not something I prepare people for. But you know, that's a game. For everybody else, which is 99.9% of the population, you know, we don't need to be working towards that end. You know, work towards the end of being uh, ultimately prepared for anything that happens in life uh, from a survivalist point of view, but uh, the time in the gym should be something that expands our our awareness of self and our, our, our self-belief, in my opinion. So, you know, bringing some balls into that environment, um, you know, means that we can really get some coordination and, and uh, you know, switch on. Ball sports, I think, were, again, like part of sort of being able to interact with other people and, um, you know, solve complex movement problems. The yeah, The idea of, you know, developing... The brain, you know, develop the connection between your hands and the brain. Develop the connection between your feet and the brain. Every part of your body, you know, if you look at those, you know, those diagrams of of sort of neural uh, connectivity, you know, usually the, the mouth is big and the eyes are big and, you know, the brain's very connected to a few parts of the body. But when was the last time you tried to really articulate every? part of your spine you know we did a little bit of that stuff today and there's you know there's a lot more advanced work that that we go into with that but you can't actually build your connection between your brain and any part of your body you know if you put some focus into it so um, and that's through
0: being mindful of it obviously during the progressive exercise itself yeah
1: and being challenged by the exercise and then yeah putting your attention into into that part of the body like where you put your attention during your movement affects the motor patterns you know like the science is showing that now so if you're squatting and you're thinking about your feet then the actual motor pattern is going to be different to if you're squatting and you're thinking about pressure in your hands yeah. Um, so yeah I mean the the basketball and, uh, and soccer ball and that sort of stuff that's in the gym is like I realized that like whilst um, you know I'm developing all these skills I'm doing somersaults I'm doing you know, gymnastics my strength stuff's okay but I'm losing coordination here like what like uh, this is not this is not what I should be doing you know like I need to be able to to build all that stuff as well so you know they are just yeah messing around with it in between sets um, my j- soccer ball juggling has improved a lot we just got a table tennis table yeah, um, I saw you know, that. Cool. challenges of that after after weights um, so yeah it's, it's uh, I guess just using it as a, you always want to be able to make a breakthrough you know I want to see I want to see things improve and wherever you've wherever you've let things go the most is where you're going to be able to see the most improvement so like picking up those things that have fallen away from when you were a kid like that's that's where there's a lot of fun to be had
0: yeah and your philosophy, of course, and the philosophy that flows through the Real Movement Project, is is about making people better. Yes, mm-hmm. not so much about making people stronger, making people sexier, making people thinner, making people bigger, whatever it might be. It's more around making a person better in themselves, and, and through the attainment of new skill, they of course get that you know that um, growth that comes from their personal self confidence. You know, a, a stretch in personal ideology and belief systems. You know, attitudinal changes, and and obvious you know subsequent patterns of living that will extend from that. That will make their life better and more enjoyable that more importantly will flow onto those around them
1: yeah yeah the community is the is the end goal with it because you know you can't if you've got nothing going for you if you're sick and if you you think you can't do much and you haven't learned anything new since you were 6 years old then how valuable are you to the community that you're part of or humanity? You know, we're all connected now. We can all connect to anyone in the world at any time, basically.
0: Except here in Mullumbimby where there's no fucking Wi-Fi. <laughs> Except here, yeah. <laughs> I just where, found out. <laughs>
1: where, where we keep things a little bit quieter. But, you know, basically we live in this hyper-connected state right now. And for anyone to play their, their part in this this web, and we are in challenging times. We're in times of massive opportunity. But I think, you know it looks as though it's, it's a time where it could go one of two ways. And if you look at a lot of theology and if you look into like a lot of science, you know, there's, there's a possibility right now that we go into an age of, of real enlightenment and, and a massive sort of human development, or there's a possibility of, you know, of uh, something more totalitarian, some mass catastrophe. Um, I, d- I do believe that. Which
0: the enlightenment also flows from.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the challenge, we live in this challenge time. And I think that's, it's up to us to, to kind of answer that challenge. And by empowering you know, people and getting them, you know, connecting them to to a small group of people who are part of that, you know, that philosophy, that concept, um, then, you know, there's, there's a big flow on effect to be had for the, for society, but you know, all the decisions that you make. So just the flow on effect of, okay, I want to be able to do a handstand. If someone's listening to this today and they're, you know, they're a little bit overweight, they haven't really respected their physical being for quite a long time, you know, they've deteriorated, um, Physically, and that also means there's a level of mental deterioration you know, psycho
0: emotional destruction and <laughs> yeah like, exactly
1: yeah. Um, so if that's there and but from today you go well actually i'm just going to i'm going to actually just commit i'm going to learn to do a handstand and that's something that's going to be a big journey, but what it's going to mean is that you think a bit differently about what fluids you drink, drinking water is going to help you get to the handstand a lot faster than drinking coke mm. or drinking alcohol, because that's going to affect your body composition. You know you want to lose some weight so that you can be a little bit stronger compared to your weight so that it's easy for you to hold a handstand for a minute. If you're you know, 20, 30 kilos overweight, it's going to be a lot harder to hold a handstand for a minute than if you're, if you're lean. Okay, so that's going to affect the f- decisions you made when you go to the supermarket. If you actually really start looking at this stuff, you go, well, maybe I should cut all the chemical shit out of my diet that no ancestor of mine could have ever eaten and no animal in nature will ever go near. Um, and no because, body
0: can recognise and utilise.
1: Yeah, I mean, this yeah. is your this is your subject. Checking out Brenton stuff. You know, you're going to go so deep into that, but. Just the fact of deciding to do the handstand is gonna, you know, is gonna change what time you want to go to bed. It's gonna change. Maybe, oh, I'm not sleeping, so then my training feels crap the next day. My balance yeah. is off. Maybe I'll stop watching crappy TV just before I go to bed. Maybe I'll switch my phone off a little bit earlier. Maybe I'll read a book about handstands or something else that's gonna. So you, you know, you, all of a sudden, just by that one little decision about something which is seemingly um, superficial and unimportant of you know trying to be able to do a handstand. The flow and effect of that, and and then the flow and effect of those decisions to the community. If you start buying stuff that's healthy and you stop buying stuff that's crap, you know companies will have to change what they sell. And you know even if they're trying to do that at the moment, you know the marketing for a lot of big companies because everyone's marketing now through social media so in a way marketing's being democratized. Um, that you know people are getting a message out there about healthy stuff that was in a way that wasn't really available before. Um, and so this is, you know, this is having a huge effect on the economy as well as, um, you know, the, the possibility to be super healthy and to, to go deeper into that is is there for everybody. Uh, but still the majority, uh, if we look at the statistics, the majority is still living in ignorance of that and, and you know, suffering the health consequences, obesity, um, you know, and just that feeling of limitation, that feeling of being a time bomb that at some stage, you know, cancer is going to kick in or heart disease or diabetes is going to kick in because it kicked in for you know, one of my, one of your ancestors, or it's kicking in for your friends. Um, Yeah, that we're not time bombs. You know, we're, if, when you understand this stuff, you can be empowered to go, well, yeah, this is my decision. If I make bad decisions here, then this is what's going to happen. If I make good decisions, or if I, you know, take responsibility for this stuff and, you know, get my testing done with Shannon and start taking some, some Fulvic Minerals, you know, the sponsor of this show. Like, this is amazing stuff that you can just make the decision, well, yeah, rather than put my 50 bucks through the pokies, I'm going to put my 50 bucks through Shannon and invest that in in improving myself or with a real movement trainer and go and actually learn how to look after yourself uh, physically, develop your your physical performance. This is what it's about for me. Like, this is this is little things that become very big things. And
0: you're hundred percent right. You know, it's, it's, it's very easy to blame through technology and it's very easy to blame the industry and in inverted commas. Um, but, you 're one hundred percent accurate in saying that 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 mass consciousness that interconnectedness is what drives them, and yes, they are bringing out food which is shit for people, and they 're you know introducing what, over two thousand new toxins a year into the environment, and everything 's about you know growing things faster and quicker and, and, and all the rest and, and that 's the way it is, yet yet it 's the mass consciousness and consumerism that consistently says that 's okay through the purchase of these products. And I guess what I love about your philosophy and therefore the flow on through your company of Real Movement is that movement is this kind of um, centerpiece of which everything else adjusts around it. And I guess just to give our listeners uh, a little bit of a um, a view just from my personal perspective, and this is sort of non-practitioner component, I've always said to people over the years that it's almost like an A plus B equals C philosophy for me when I'm training. I want to eat well. When I'm training, like it, 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 it equals... It. If I'm not training, I find it really easy to grab a beer or I find it really easy to have that bacon and egg roll or I find it really easy to say you know, no to things that might be um, better for me. When I am training, it's almost like, wow, if I'm going to put in this level of effort, if I'm going to put in this much level of pain, um, I'm going to need that sleep by default. You're right, otherwise I can't function tomorrow. I've got three kids hanging off me. You know I'm not going to be able to train again tomorrow. And so when when I've got that, that movement pattern in place and it's an integral part of who and what I am, it forces me to make life adjustments around it in order to allow for it to continue. So um, it's interesting for me that when you start talking about this philosophy around the 20 hours and, you know, in 20 hours you can sort of become okay at things that really when you look at the average consumer and, and, and in many ways the average person listen to this podcast now we go to, week to we go to work 9 to 5 and we work our crack out and we come home tired and you can't be fucked exercising and so you come home and sort of have a glass of wine and you know have half a baguette while you cook your spaghetti bolognese or whatever when in actual reality, you know, that that exercise there for them would build them, build their self confidence, build their worth, build their choices around food, stop them having that wine, that half baguette every single day, which is seven wines and three and a half baguettes a week, you know, which seems small, yet in the grand scheme of things, you know, it's a it's a significant change in who that person is and what they represent. And um, you know, I really I really love your philosophy and I want you to know that because um, I think a lot of people in the movement world have um, have their their heart in the right spot yet um, you know Being a trainer these days, and I'll just take a PT as an example, it's so easily entered, um, you know, four, five, six weeks of study, promise of 70 bucks an hour, and people come in, and I think they just get lost, you know, in amongst the commercial aspect of exercise and what it represents. And they don't actually think about these things. Um, They don't think about what movement represents. They don't think about the fact that movement will make me make different life choices. They don't think about the fact that I can actually, you know, create new neural pathways in my brain that'll make me view the world and view my relationships and view everything around me differently and um you know i think that you make a a really good point on a much grander scale that if more people could think that way all of a sudden you do start to get that interconnectedness flowing and the world is different as we see it yeah and you know, the, that was a massive rant, I the, realize. But you get my drift.
1: The idea that we're small, the idea that PTs are like yeah, because it is easy to enter into, the role of the PT is is massively underestimated as well. You know, if you look at to become a doctor, a specialist, you know, become an oncologist, someone, you know, who's dealing with people who 10 are ten years. Yeah, you gotta put ten years into it. Now that ten years means that people are going to really wanna to listen to that person, especially if they feel like it's a life and death situation. Now, if you look deeply into that research and what's going on there, you'll see that there's a lot of lies. There's a lot of myths. There's a lot of stuff that's based around making money that's not based around making people super healthy. Um, Now, regardless of what your take is on that, at some stage before that, there's there's wellness. Before you actually get to that really being sick, there, there's wellness. Now, who are experts in wellness? Who are the people who are actually teaching people, okay, this is what you do to be healthy? You know, that used to be the role of the doctor before the 1940s. That was what doctors were about. That's what they got paid for. You know, there were a lot of doctors that were, that were homeopaths. Hippocratic Oath. Yeah, there were homeopaths and they were, they were um, you know, uh, herbalists. And, and these people were, were helping people to be healthy. If, they, if people achieved health with them then there was they, a prophylaxis involved they, they yeah. made money and and the, the the process continued but since the 40s you know we've switched to a chemical based model of, of healing and you know i don't believe in that model i don't participate in it uh, i don't use those uh that that philosophy or those substances they are actually you know in elite sport this is a huge this is a huge thing as well the whole drugs in sport thing like people talk about steroids in in sport steroids is a non-issue Compared to pharmaceutical drugs in sport, you know this is a, f- a massive, massive problem. If you go into any elite sports team right now, you, you're seeing guys who who really, you know, there's guys in every club who should be in rehab, drug rehab, and these are these are opiates. You know, these are things that are equivalent to heroin. Uh, these are things that are equivalent to um, speed that are being
0: dished Pain out. Pain meds and the yeah, lot.
1: And, and 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 guys are guys are off their heads. Guys are in you know guys are going into situations and mental states that. Um, it, you know, would be completely unacceptable if they were doing it with uh, the social drugs that you know that, that you have to do that with. But um, no, this... su-
0: no surprise when they're doing um, unsavory things on the weekends. <laughs> well, you know, and a lot of the times it actually is coming
1: from the team doctor, right? And the team doctor's trying to play their role in the in the club, and they're being cool and they're doing their thing. Um, but they're they're screwing some people over massively. Like drugs in sport is a huge issue, but it's not around steroids. Drugs in sport needs to you know. It,
0: it's a, but the team doctor's job, of course, is to keep people on the paddock at the expense of the person for so, the sake of performance.
1: Yeah. And sometimes that's there with painkillers and anti are and, and they're actually doing it to get them on the field. But then it actually becomes like, just give me some sleepers, doc. Mm. And I'll take sleepers, you know, multiple times a week and I'll rock up to training groggy and I'll take serious pain meds that are not, you know, beyond the Panadine 4 and that stuff. And will yeah. just be like, So they're uppers and downers like and uppers and downers. This, this, these, are meant, these guys are meant to then perform as elite athletes. You know, I'm telling you, if you're doing that stuff, it's knocking massive potentials performance potential you're smashing up your nervous system you know you you i'm talking about this fine motor control and developing guys you know to the nth level of of self-control and self-discipline um and then you've got this other influence in a lot of elite sport that's just completely you know massively destructive and it's the opposite of you know building yourself up and becoming as healthful and as you know high performing as you can be and um that's you know that's the really the, the dark side of sport but it's there for all of society and what pt's can do is introduce people to the concept of hey like why don't you try and be as healthy as you can be why don't you try and be as smart as you can be why don't you try and learn as much new stuff as you can and see what life feels like then maybe it actually feels better than what you feel like after 20 beers uh, with your mates or pills or you know being on antidepressants or being on whatever that you, you know you can't sleep and you're having six coffees a day and then you start taking sleepers and you know this is the average out there I believe the people who can fix that are the people who can inspire people to be like hey how good can I do this thing called life how inspirational can I be for my kids like where can I take my physical existence where can I where can I take my spiritual existence like that's that's what excites me and I feel as though personal trainers are actually in the best position to do that because they get to spend a number of hours with people each week you know whether it's in small groups or whether it's one to one they get to really Be with that person. Be inside their head. Talk to them about you know. Talk to them about food. Talk to them about their relationships you know, give them physical experiences where like, hey, you didn't used to be able to do this. Now it's now look at how you can do it. You know, look at your mobility. You didn't used to be able to touch the floor. Now you got palms on the floor. Like you're changing. Things are changing here. You're changeable. Who do you want to be? Like change yourself into whoever you want to be. And people can say, well, I'm working nine to five and I'm, you know, but I, you know, I, I commute from seven in the morning and I get home at seven at night. And there's lots of those people that are doing fly in or fly out or whatever. I talk to these people every week because Real Movement is, you know, built on people who have a dream and want to make a change in the world. They want Want to become one of these people who is actually trying to be the best they can be and, and share that stuff with other people? So I talk to people who work in fly and fly out, or you know, hardly ever see their kids because they're working all the time. I say, okay, like, well, how long are you going to do that for? How long do you want to do it for? You can be a victim of that for the next forty years if you want, or you can make a decision that at some st- stage in the future that's going to change. Now, you know, it's not always viable to say, "Well, yeah, you are going to quit your job that next day and, and start." Um, some people can't. Some people have enough savings, skills, etc., that they just really need to make decisions, decision, just go for it um but there's other people it's like we have six months down the track like let's see where we can get to what will we need to, to be able to do we need to build our, be able to build a business where you've got 10 people training in your garage to for you to be able to quit that job and go full-time in this to then be able to okay then we can think about building a seven-figure facility uh, but initially just making that decision of hey this life that i'm living right now is not something that i want to do for a long time it's not the best thing that serves my physiology my psychology my children my community humanity you know put it in that context if it's not serving those things maximally then make an exit strategy it Mm. may be it may be to go in part-time it may be building an online business it may be i don't know it's it's different for everybody you know um but making the decision of you know moving towards what you want. And this is, Brenton, you know, you're the perfect segue for this, right? We're on the frigging podcast, the caravan podcast. (laughs) You know, you've you've packed up your shop, you know, you're kicking butt on the central coast. You've got a great business. You've got a family. You've got a gym, but you've decided, I just want to experience something else. Like, let's, let's make a run for this. You know, it's probably, potentially a big financial negative maybe it'll actually end up being a huge financial positive because you're going to be a lot more creative and you're going to come up with all sorts of new things about what you can really do for the world and think bigger again because you you kicked all those initial goals and now it's like well what's next new goals it's always got to be there's got to be something there that scares you that you want to go to and um yeah that's that's what we do like that's what my life is about talking to people about hey what's that thing that you'd really love to do that scares the shit out of you let's, no, it's essentially, let's though, go do it
0: taking people out of their comfort zone even with yeah. exercise it's yeah. like okay so you can do that well let's now try this and let's take you past that point again yeah. and let's develop those new neural pathways let's get you thinking about what you can be let's get you thinking away from your lack which generally consumes the average consumer because you know that's what they focus upon yeah. um, just for a moment um, you know because I can, I can hear people now going oh look this is all well and good and it's all good for you guys sitting up there in Mullumbimby you know you know, with the shirts off, hanging out, whatever. But let's just talk about you know the average punter who's not stuck in their job. You know, who does work twelve hours a day, seven to seven in Sydney, for instance. Um, who loves their job and, and is enthralled yep. by their job. Let's take a lawyer or something. Yep. You know, um, what would your suggestion for these people be as far as movement goes? Because they might not have that hour to put in because that might have been the hour yep. they could have been putting their kids to bed. So, yep. what would you suggest for these type of people?
1: Yeah, I mean. There's there's always there's always an opportunity for movement, and I build it into everything that I do. You know, so even when I'm on when I'm on phone calls or you know when I'm, I'm I spend a lot of time on the computer as well. You know, I'm running a business. Um, the main things are to, to continually vary your postures. You know, sitting in the same position, sitting especially in the same position for long periods of time is going to have a detrimental effect. It's not just about like tightening up your hips and stuff. This is actually leading to infertility, you know, nature's biggest stop sign of like, you fucked up. If yeah. you can't have kids, yeah. then nature's saying, stop. And I'm not demonizing people who, who are infertile, but it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sign from nature. I believe in listening to, to mother nature. Um, the animals, you know, the people that have trouble with fertility are humans and, and pets and animals in the zoo, right. you know. So we've changed the environment to such an extent that nature says stop. Okay, so what can you do in your environment so that that's not you, so that you're actually thriving and you'll feel it. when Your energy will be different when you're, you know, um, when, you, when you're getting that stuff flowing. So. Simple practical stuff like having somewhere to hang and do chin ups in your office space, in your workspace. You might be a lunatic. You'll find out that within a couple of weeks, within a couple of months, there'll be sessions going on in your doorway. Other blokes will have it up. Everyone changes around you. This is a constant thing that's gone on through my life, regardless of where I've been. Mm. You know, I infect people with this stuff. And, and when you actually do it, initially people look at you funny, and then at some stage they're coming over saying, Hey, can I have a, can I have a go at that? Can you teach me how to do that? Yeah. Um, so bring that stuff into your workplace don't be shy about that but be really proud to bring movement into your workplace juggle in between stuff like wake your brain up get circulation going um and scare the shit out of people who are around you don't don't be don't be afraid to sta- shake the status quo the status quo right now is leading to a place it's killing us it's, it's leading to a place that most of us don't want to go if you're living the, the default life right now even if you're moving three times a week going to the gym for, for three hours a week it's not enough it's not mm. what we're designed to do mm. we're meant to be moving around we're meant to be outside most of the day so b- move move around bring that stuff into you park at the other side of the car park all that sort of simple stuff can I, give you um, a,
0: can I just give you a quick example, just you, know, just you and I talking? Yeah. I've got three kids, as you know, and yep. my oldest one, who's six, uh, Eva, who's a girl, she's, she's my sensitive one, and I've got you know, two you know, ball-tearers below them that'll yep. sort of have a go at everything. And anyway, um, Santa bought Eva a, uh, a bike for Christmas, all right, and Santa purposely didn't buy her a bike with training wheels because um, I found that, um, or Santa found, that she was uh, lacking in her ability to you know, progress forward and was always someone that would go back to that default of what can I do versus what can I do and how can I challenge myself anyway um uh you know we got the bike and she dropped it three times and it was like fuck it I'm never riding that again and seriously the bike sat in the garage for for many months so uh, we start this you know trip now around Australia and uh, we're three months into it and obviously uh her having uh, mum and dad around all the time and us always being in caravan parks and the like um we've dragged the bike out and just in the last week um I've, I just said to her, look, Eva, we're going to ride this thing. I, I confiscated the scooter, which was another default of hers, and I just got her to riding, and I just put the hours in. Now, it only took, I reckon, about five hours, but yesterday I did uh, about nine laps of the caravan park with her. <laughs> chasing her around? Right, riding around, yeah, only, only going around to the left because she's only sort of worked out left-hand turns right now. But, but seriously, just in this week doing that alone, um, she's always been a bedwetter. I haven't had a wet bed this week, which is very, very, very unusual, you know, and, and I can just see this, this sense of accomplishment and this sense of self on her face, you know, and, um, you know, only, uh, early this week, um, she couldn't actually get going on the bike. I had to push her along then she'd be okay. But now she's just worked out because she was just looking at one of her little six-year-old friends in the caravan park, how she can start herself without daddy pushing her. And, um, just to see this sort of elevation uh, in, in in her personal progression through a simple movement of riding a bike, so we're not throwing weights around in gyms now, um, has been for me quite enlightening. Yeah. You know? So um, you know, can you ride to work? You know, can you you know can you do something at work? You know, like what can it be? I even talk to people just about getting outside at work. You know, if you if you're working out, if you're working in a um, in a, in an organisation where you know you're inside all day and there's always whinges at those places. You're in these kind of negative, you know, depressing environments. I say to people, take your sandwich, you know. Still eat the sandwich for the moment. Let's not change yeah. things up too much. Let's just go and sit outside and get some sun. Yeah. Let's sit on the log, you know. Maybe you can do a few dips on the log. Maybe you can do a few push-ups as well, do you yeah. know. Um, are you um, – do you have any sort of significant feeling around movement for people, you know, whether it's best done in gyms or best done outdoors or are you sort of someone that would recommend people to do what they're passionate about and what they naturally are drawn towards?
1: Yeah, I think more, more is better, you know, and that's probably what I didn't get to on the last thing is that we do a lot of five-minute blocks and it's something that helps a lot of people to be able to just go, well, yeah, I've got five minutes here. Like, it's Beautiful. not like, have you got, have you got an hour, yep. drive to the gym, get a shower, whatever. You know, you, you think an hour and a half, two hours every time you want to do some physical activity. Yep. That's not what we want. We want, we want five-minute blocks where you go, we, I've got five minutes here. I'm going to hit some mobility. In between mobility sets, I'm going to do some juggling or I'm going to do push-ups and chin-ups. Start a new set each minute. Five minute block. You can be at the end of five minute block, good pump, mm. and and you've you've had a stimulus for that yeah. day. You know, at the moment we're doing this uh, twenty thousand rep challenge. It's a hundred chin ups, hundred push ups each day, uh, for a hundred days. So, basically that means for most of the guys, five five chin ups, five push ups each minute for twenty minutes. So mm. they do t- two ten minute blocks. Now you, you know most people won't check in at that level if they're not training quite hard. Um, but any kind of push pull will do, you know, incline push ups, or you can take the numbers back, but whatever it is, but bringing it down to being, well, yeah, Hey, I've got five minutes here, like let's get something done. And often five minutes will turn into 20 minutes, which may actually turn into a couple hours, but just, just go and get started. Just go, you know, go to the park, go to your gym, get started. Um, I advise you, yeah, set it up everywhere so you can, you know, at work right next to my work, there's a children's playground. I go, I work in the office, I go outside. Bang out handstands, chin ups, push ups. There's a basketball court there as well. It's all. It's about forty meters away from, from where I'm at. You're that like
0: crazy man in town, aren't I'm you? I'm the
1: only one in my office space who goes over there. You know, I come back sweating a bit, but you know, they'll deal with it. Um, build it in. Build it into your workplace. Build it into your home life. You know, play around with your kids. Let your kids see you, see your training. You know, get just even if it's a skipping rope, a doorway chin up bar. You know, doing some push ups. Whatever it is, you don't really need a lot of equipment to get yourself in great shape. You know, mm. that's that's a bit of a myth. Personally, I, I love, you know, I love strength. I love barbell. I've worked in, you know, elite sporting environment where, you know, those tools do help you to create athletes of the of the highest level. So I, I love those tools. And if you love those tools, you know, get, get learn how to use them. You know, if you don't know how to use them, find someone who's qualified. You know, there are more and more qualified people who can actually teach you everything you need to know to be able to, to move your body well. Um, get into some gymnastics. Get into some barbell work. Um, and just yeah give it give it a try like uh, i think what you'll what you'll see is that you do develop a whole new uh, um, outlook on life if you crossfit is is was the you know what, was, what you, you were telling me weren't you
0: like the fastest growing movement fastest growing movement in the world yeah. 2013
1: 2014 yeah yep. so more than religion you know more movement
0: than, yeah. growing movement yeah. so is out it? out outbeat everything yeah and that's yeah. That's because it, I know, think it was a It was it was one ahead of Scientology off memory. Yeah, there you go. You know, which is yeah big time. You know, well, no, nothing motivates more than fear, right? So to have people you know motivated by something other than fear you know, to that larger significance is big. But I think I think the thing about CrossFit that's made it such a significant prey. Um, and you know, well, it's not just CrossFit. You know, I find it with powerlifting yeah. clubs as well. It's just that sense of community. You yeah. know, um, I've got patients of mine who I've started with who are you know um, heavily obese. Sometimes had significant adversities to. Overcome in their in their world and in their life, and, and I'm talking significant adversities. Yep. That now years down the track, you know, I love it. I get on on uh, social media, and I see on Facebook that you know they're you know training down at this CrossFit facility, and they just hit an 85 kilo you know back squat or whatever else it might be, and. They're loving life. Do you know what I mean? And, and there's always steps involved to get there. Yeah. You know, that might be the same lady that I just said, you know what, what I want you to do for me, you know, I want you to skip for five minutes a day. And I'd skip five minutes or even just a song. I'd say, you know, who's your favorite artist? And they'd say, oh, you know, Madonna. And I'd go, great, just stick on like a virgin and skip until the thing finishes. And you're right, You know, before you know it, it, you know, they wake up the next day and they've got sore calves and they feel like shit, but they know they've trained. Yep. They've got some ownership. They're proud of that. Yeah, they've got some ownership and, and, and some kind of, uh, it, you know it, 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 it's, it's like when you have a big day on the squat right and you can't walk well the next day and even they go oh my legs are killing me you, you've kind of got this like yeah my legs are killing me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah I, mean, I can't walk well i've killed it you know but it is the best drug in the world
1: you know th- we live in this time of all these all this talk about drugs you know whether it's ayahuasca and all these you know mental uh, drugs that take us to dmt and whatever take us to these paranormal psychology or whether it's you know dumbing down drugs alcohol and you know, cigarettes or whatever, or the pharmaceutical stuff that the doctors are dealing, you know, the drugs are a big thing in our society. The best drug in the world is being better than yesterday. When you know that you're doing something to be better than you were yesterday, like that is addictive and that is the most amazing thing that you can have. We're sold on all this other crap, you know, through, through marketing through whatever we see on the music videos and the movies and whatever. But ultimately, like the best thing that you can do for yourself is know that I'm a little bit better than I used to be at this, you know. And that's a feeling that everybody loves. People will be like, oh, I don't want to learn a other. I don't want to – no one gets a little bit better at something and doesn't feel like, oh, shit, yeah, I did that. Everybody loves that feeling of just being, you know, being proud of yourself, being, yeah, this is something I didn't used to be able to do, but but now I can. And, you know, that's, that's why CrossFit's growing so well. And CrossFit's got its strengths and its weaknesses, you know. It's, it's amazing what it's done. It's the most successful movement system of all time. Could it be done a lot better? You know, I I think it could be. And um, I guess that's, you know, that's the challenge is show something better than, and that's what I'm trying to do. And I believe that, you know, that's what I, what, what we are doing. And um, you know what? I think just
0: just with that, you know, um, CrossFit has adapted, you know, like, uh, you know, could it, could it be better? Of course it could be better. You know, everything can be better, but that's the process of success, isn't it? It's adaptation. And, um, you know, I, I, find um, crossfit in its essence is adapting you know and it is um you know bringing some rules out and some regulations and you know it's been flogged over the years for you know, you've only got to look online and you see people doing deadlifts for the most hideous form and, and then the bodybuilders and, and whatnot jump on and go oh, check this out you know and i don't find that that is um consistent with crossfit at all you know no,
1: there's a lot of really high quality movement there i've spent a lot of time with the, the top guys in australia there's there's so much to learn there from crossfit uh, but the biggest thing is probably just that, th- that thing of being better than you used to be. And everybody wants to be challenged. Like People think, oh, no, my clients don't really want to be challenged. They just want to come in and talk to me. Your clients don't respect you because you're not giving them something that they didn't have when they came in. If you keep giving them something they didn't have, then they'll keep coming back to
0: you. All right, let's go there for a moment. So Real, Real Movement Project, when did you launch this?
1: Uh, it, it's been through a few different um, facelifts and whatnot, but the, the proper real movement project is August, 2014.
0: Okay. So you launched in 2014 and like all businesses, we generally launch businesses to solve a problem in the market, you know, or fill that hole, so to speak. What was the original existing hole? Um, is it still there and what is real movement project doing different to, um, you know, advance the, the, the journey for, uh, the average consumer?
1: Yeah, I think that, it was just created out of the passion for for what you know for what i do and for what i love and seeing people uh engage in the in the philosophy and and experience a better you know a better existence of life like we, at the roosters in 2013 you know we we set the all-time defensive record most teams held to zero we won the minor premiership we won the premiership we won the world club challenge um you know we won the club championship the 20s you know through the 20s as well we couldn't have done anything more that year. But if if you were in the place, you know, you would have seen just the, the growth in people, the spiritual, uh, mental growth. And that was like what was so exciting to see, just people just becoming a better version of themselves. And that was, you know, we're all doing it at our own level. Um, but that was something that I didn't want to just continue to do for a, a small group of rugby league players to be able to win NRL titles. You know, I wanted to be able to share... What we were doing there with a with a bigger group of people, um, and and use it as something to really transform, you know, transform the country, transform the planet. You know that's the that's the vision with it. Um, so it wasn't so much thinking about you know FIA is doing this and CrossFit's doing that and you know whatever else. Um, it was really just this is this is what I this is what I believe in. This is what really works. Um, let's let's see where we can take this. Um, so. Yeah, that's, it's that philosophy of of building a holistic picture. You know, these guys are holistic practitioners. You know, they, they understand nutrition. They understand mindset. You know, we're giving lectures and, and seminars on how to set goals and how to change negative self-belief and understanding your subconscious mind. And, you know, this is
0: stuff that... So Real Movement Project is training trainers and training um, some organizations, you know, CrossFit boxes and the like, to look at people from a holistic viewpoint.
1: Yeah, and, yep. you know, there's... You know, everyone's talking about that at the moment and and yeah it's it's a matter of i guess you know delivering on it and making change and we're seeing some some huge changes we're giving people breakthrough experiences with their movement you know it's a breakthrough movement when you something that you think well i can never do that or it's no work you know that's that's a long way away then when you do it that's a breakthrough and that changes your perception of yourself so we're teaching that breakthrough you know breakthrough movement um holistic nutrition you know thinking about the food that your ancestors could have eaten and the food that makes you feel really good. And, you know, if you, if it's not working, then get the testing done, you know, get food allergy testing done, check up dysbiosis, you know, all the work that you do, Brenton, like, you know, we're making that stuff available to the, to the clients that we work with as well. Um, you know, it's worked with the athletes that I worked with, with, you know, with Sonny Bill and with Ali Day and, um, you know, Ben Gerard got great results with that stuff with you. Um, you know that's that's what we we want to do is just really treat the whole, the whole person, give the whole, the person a, a bigger experience of themselves, um, and be part of a, a powerful community. You know that's what that's what's going on in these facilities, and um, we don't have all the answers, but we're definitely looking for all the ones that we don't have. You know, started with facilities in the city, but we want to do. Um, a lot more stuff in the country as well. Guys running more and more retreats. You know, getting their members out of the city for a weekend. You know, get into nature, have a look around, have a think. Where do you want to go with your life? Is there are there bigger changes that we need to make here that are not just about trying to get you know that lower rack of abs coming out. You know, mm. that's something is there something at a deeper level that we should be kicking for here. Um, and so that's, and, and that's why what I'm you, And to.
0: why do you need the lower abs out so much? Yeah. Yeah, hey, you've said the word spiritual a couple of times now, right? And yeah, you know, I've spent enough time with you to sort of know that you're a uh, you know, an awakened soul. But, um, you know, I'm just going to say it as it is, you know, someone comes out Cert 3, Cert 4, it's it's all very much three sets of 10, three sets of 15, you know, non-periodization, you know, whatever else it might be, okay? So when you start talking about the whole self, um, the movement, processes in Australia set up by the federations that guide trainers on how to train people they never make it about more than the movement Ever, you know, it's always just about this is what it is, and then of course the PTs have got enough nouse about them, enough experience, and generally enough passion, because I find most PTs extremely passionate, even those who come over from other jobs, that they will then start to look into, you know, how can I help these people more? Because I think most PTs will work out pretty quickly that when they have someone come in who's fairly uh, dysfunctional, the dysfunction uh, generally hasn't began on a physical level, so. What are you guys doing on that level um, to help trainers, I guess, to understand the holism of a person?
1: Yeah. So, yeah, while while the dysfunction doesn't necessarily come from like, you know, the person's coming to you because they have a poor self-image and they want to feel differently about themselves. And so people think, well, actually all what they need is a psychologist, you know, so I'm just going to be a psychologist. Some of the personal trainers who I work with actually get to this point where they think the movement is insignificant. Mm-hmm. But I, I believe that they probably get to that point of feeling so weak and unempowered because they haven't moved and they feel, you know, separated from their body. And, and the getting them back in their body is actually... A big part of the process. start a grounding. Yeah, to, to to start to connect with themselves again, um, but yeah, in terms of that spiritual side, like w- the biggest influences that we that we talk about are guys like Bruce Lipton. Um, Biology of Belief is, is a really powerful book. He lives Great in book. New Zealand. He's yeah amazing. You yeah, these guys are scientists. He's a stem cell researcher. Um, yeah, very very smart scientist who now teaches people about how they actually are much more in control of their biology through their perception than they, than they believe. Um, Greg Braden is a guy who teaches that phys- through physics, you know, we're much more in control of reality than we believe that we are. Um, uh, Joe Dispenza is a, is a really powerful guy. Um, he teaches, uh, sort of meditative techniques and ways to, to change the subconscious mind and change yourself on a cellular level, um, through thought energy Um, and you know the the work of these kind of guys Bob Proctor's another one that we we spend a fair bit of time checking out Um, he's really in the success side of things he was one of the guys in The Secret Um, but I listened to his success puzzle program probably a hundred times it's six hours long Um, and that was probably the only reason why I was able to have the confidence to leave the roosters you know I was earning more money than I thought I might ever earn and um, you know having more success than I could imagine but I was ready to move on to something else because I knew that I had a bigger, Great a bigger, yeah, a bigger thing to to solve and to, to work or a different one, at least, you know, I, I respect the people who their highest goal is to, you know, help elite athletes win. Um, but that wasn't my highest goal. So I had to continue to move towards that, that highest goal. So, you know, we, we have a lot of education within the community. And, and I guess the, the other benefit, you know, the other wealth of the community is that there are people in there who've, done a lot of you know people who've done a lot of life coaching courses and done a lot of you know all different kinds of training and they you know that knowledge is pulled and we spend time together in this environment of you know open hearts four days together let's train let's share what we've got and let's help each other go to the next level Um, and so that you know really creates opportunities for for people to expand their their skill sets and to to get confidence in what they deliver in terms of um, changing people's psychology but you now i will continue to to be a learner you know we're sitting next to the, the bookshelves um you know that that's that's the reason why i'm able to do what i'm doing now is because i continue to reach out to people who are doing things better than me and i'm not you know not afraid to say that i'm a success mate
0: any experts are a yeah, learner first and foremost
1: yeah and those guys those guys are amazing you know the the, the work that those scientists are doing and you know, there's there's those three main levels that we want to work on. Is, you know, mechanical, chemical, and energetic. You know, you need to understand th- things from a mechanical point of view. If you get hit by a bus, you know, there's going to be a deterioration.
0: Yeah, all good. There's,
1: yeah, if you get hit by a bus, you know, there's going to be a deterioration in your health and performance and your psychology. So you've got to avoid mechanical trauma. Uh, you know, this is... The level that most people are thinking of, just mechanically, can I, um, you know, can I put this guy back together mechanically? Whether you're a physio or a strength and conditioning coach, you're thinking about things of just being that pure mechanics of, you know, what's going on here, avoiding physical trauma. And then you've got that chemical level, which is you know where nutrition comes into things, detoxifying, making sure that on a chemical level the balance is there. other functions right. Are there minerals in the cells? You know, yeah. cells. You know, we're we're mostly water and minerals, and and. Yet most people are minerally deficient. So how can cells be functioning optimally? Like this mm. is, you know, this is work that you can you can learn about more definitely with, with Brent. But like the that chemical level, we need to deal with that now. Most people are just stuck on the mechanical, and they think the chemical doesn't matter. If it fits your macros, might get you on stage in a g-string, but is it going to get you to eighty without Alzheimer's? You know, mm. my feeling is that it probably won't if you're on the junk food side of that. If it fits your macros, some people keep it really clean, and then of course it can. You know, it can work there,
0: but... For um, those that don't understand if it fits your macros, it's essentially a philosophy that it doesn't matter what you eat as long as it works within your caloric structure and your macronutrient split, so your protein, carbon, fat breakdown. So... Um, certainly, in the bodybuilding world, there's this mindset uh, of some people, uh, and, and it, you know what, it works for some of them too. I've used it with people; it works with essentially where um, they can have big cheat days and whatnot, and they can blow out quite badly. And as long as it fits their macros, so to speak, that you know they're not doing a dysfunction. But you're right uh, in the fact that what you're looking at here is more long-term, right? Yes, yep. we're not talking instant gratification of a bodybuilding comp in three months. We're we're looking at the, the long-term maintenance of a functional organism.
1: Yeah. And doing everything you can to be the best you can be, you know, how like make as many positive decisions as you can, as many decisions as you can that will say, yeah, this is actually positively contributing to my, what I want to achieve in life. Um, now if it does that, then happy days. But uh, a lot of the people posting, you know, pictures of their burgers and fries and whatever they're training really hard and they've got themselves into a lean state that their metabolism can deal with that mm. but the person who's unfit and motivated by that person seeing them as a role model thinks well i can eat burgers and chips because i trained hard but yeah. it's it, it you know it takes away from the message that the role model actually probably wants to to share is probably a different one but you know it's what's cool Hence and what's the issue gonna get of likes social and, media right yeah you know, oh, well a popularity media. Um, but yeah, like you know, we've got the, we've got that mechanical level that we have to get things right, the chemical level, but then there's also the energetic level, and the energetic level is one that you know, people think is all woo-woo and whatever, but that's, you know, the level that most of the Chinese may, may, medicine...
0: May I, may I say, until they deal with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's all, everything's woo-woo until you've got an issue deep enough that requires you to look outside your normal constraints of thinking. And, you know, uh, I, I can just tell you right now from 16 years of my work, you know, treating over 55,000 people now, that I, have, I do my best work with people through addressing energetic dysfunction, hmm. you know? And uh, that's not... That's not a place that I was comfortable to go to. It's certainly not a place that I was trained in, in the, you know, in the world of sciences like you were at university and whatnot, because yep. you know, all that is bullshit and it doesn't exist. But it's funny that um, I think the more time you spend on the ground, uh, the more you start to realize that all those components of the self need to be um, at least self-regulated to some degree. And that when there's a big hole in that energetic slash you know, spiritual componentry, uh, it affects who we are. You know, just, it's just, yeah, it's fact. It's just the way it is, you know. So, mate, I want to thank you for your time. It's been uh, most enlightening. And I know that a lot of people are going to have got a lot um, from hearing you and your unique thoughts on things. Um, How are people able to stay in touch with you, see your progression, uh, or possibly even see a Real Movement coach uh, about, um, you know, advancing their physical state?
1: Yep. So if you want to get working with one of the team that I work with, then best option is to go to realmovementproject.com. And then there's a facilities tab on there that you can check it out so just realmondproject dot com dot a yep. u um,
0: you do stuff all around the world right this isn't just um, pertaining to Australia well the vision was always
1: to be global and yeah now we 've got quite a few uh, members in in Europe and the Middle East, and you know quite a lot of followers from North America hopefully work with a few more coaches uh, from from there it's definitely something that we want to work on on all continents you know that's the part of the the plan um, so, yeah, other than that, social media you know that 's where we can get free marketing these days, and I can, I can share what i 'm doing and, and give as much value to people as I can through those channels so
0: and what 's the long term goal? Where do you see yourself five years from now uh, the long term goal is to
1: give every person on earth uh, an opportunity to experience a high level of existence. Um, I think that the default you know the education system that we go through and a lot of people 's yeah, you know, hereditary paradigm is just um, one of mediocrity and, and not really necessarily striving to be the best you can be. Um, I want to invite people to say, well, maybe maybe there's a better way of doing this. Maybe the best way to do this thing we call life is to work towards being as good as you can be, and it doesn't mean being perfect. You know, it is hard to hold yourself to to a standard of of always trying to be a little bit better. But in my mind, it's it's the it's the fun way. It's the
0: it's better, uh, not best, right? Yeah,
1: it's, it's, yeah, exactly. Just just being better, not better than everybody else, just better than yourself, just making sure you're, you're making little improvements and, and uh, going towards what it is that you value most. Uh, a lot of us are passing days and passing time and not really going to have much to show for it because someone else, we're, we're, we're based on someone else's value system. So move towards the stuff that you value most, the legacy that you'd like to create. Um, and that's, that's what I want to empower people towards. So I believe that my, you know, my mission with that is through movement and through showing people you know, when you can physically do something like you just did something that you thought you couldn't do. You just did L C or You just did a handstand. Now, you know, think about how much you can actually change and how much you can, really just become whoever you need to be. You know, you, you learned that thing just like you can learn whatever you need to learn off the bookshelf. If, Mm. you know, if you want to get something done in the world. So So if you
0: can do that, what else can you do?
1: Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's what I, that's what I want to do. So that's, you know, that's going to be through online. It's going to be through gyms. It's going to be through, you know, lots of traveling and seminars. Um, I don't know exactly how it's going to be, you know, it's connecting with people like yourself, you know,
0: it'll roll out in time. It'll show itself.
1: We've spoken about some of your bigger dreams and, you know, I think there's, there's so many people who I do feel that overlapping, um, yeah, overlapping of ideals where, you know, it's about getting, getting people out of the city, getting them reconnected to nature and great food and their physical existence. and, And I think really, really powerful things can happen from there. So, you know, I know that, uh, you know, I, I've developed a lot and I've still got a lot of development left, things that I need to achieve before I can have that influence on other people, you know. So it's it's about those two things, you know, always trying to make sure I'm becoming the person who I need to be to, to have the influence and then, you know, I know that the the opportunities and um the possibilities will, will be there when I'm when I'm ready for them. So that's what I'm striving towards. If you know I could strive towards something else, a lot less, but um, you know, that's what it makes you exciting to, to get up each morning
0: and, and it's see called, what we can get done. It's called the life apprenticeship, isn't it? You <laughs> yeah. know, it's never really over, and you're always learning. And and I guess you know what you uh, learn, you can um, you know influence with others and, and whatnot. But you know what, Keegan, it's been a real uh, pleasure, mate. Thanks for taking the time out, and uh, to everyone listening, uh, realmovementproject.com dot Check it out. Thank you for listening to this episode of Caravan Conversations, proudly produced by PSE Supplements. To see more about the podcast, including notes from the episode, please visit caravanconversations.com.